Whenever I look at my calendar and it's filled with meetings, it's filled with events, services, and even sometimes more meetings, I can get a little overwhelmed. I don't know if you're like that. You see things that are coming up and you just kind of get, start getting stressed out a little bit. And usually what I do is I pick out a date somewhere in the distance where there's nothing on the calendar. It may be just like a normal Saturday. It could be the start of a vacation or it could just be a day, a regular day off. And I think to myself, if I could just make it to that day, if I can just make it to that Saturday, if I can just make it to vacation, if I can just make it, you know, everybody's working for the weekend, right? I can just make it there. Uh, everything's going to be fine. How many of you do that? All right, you know, I'm not the only uh, psycho here in the place. Okay, good, that's good. You, you psych yourself up by giving yourself uh, like an end date to your workload. We are wired for starts and finishes. We celebrated our graduates today, and each of them began with an end date in mind. They took classes so that they could graduate by a certain date, and we had some of them today. They were on the summa cum laude, top 10%, you know, magna cum laude, cum laude. I just graduated. Thank you, laude, Uh, okay, on that. You know what I'm talking about. I'm excited about that, Uh, but I'm sure some of of them hit their end target. Some, they didn't. They didn't hit their end target, and it was okay because what did they do? They just readjusted, refocused. They're receiving their diploma or their degree uh, over the course of the next few weeks or have already received that. We're wired for starts and finishes. It works in a lot of areas of our life. It works at school. It works for projects. It works for problems. You, get, you know what it doesn't work for? It doesn't work for grief. Starts and finish don't work for grief. Grief is not a mountain that we climb. It's not a valley that we pass through. Significant losses are pivotal moments in our life's journey. Let me say that again. Significant losses are pivotal moments in our life journey. It's what I would call a 9-11 moment. You say, what do we mean by that? We all know where we were on September the 11th, 2001. Anybody who was living at that time and old enough to remember, you know where you were when you first heard the news of September the 11th, 2001. For those of you older, you remember where you were when Kennedy was shot or when Reagan was shot. You know where you were when the space shuttle Challenger exploded just after takeoff. And if you were in my generation, you were at school watching that live on TV. You know where you were when certain events around COVID-19 happened. You remember when the world shut down. 9-11 or in COVID changed the way that we travel. The space shuttle Challenger and subsequently uh, the space shuttle Columbia, those tragedies changed our space program. These moments were not something that we got through because they're still having an impact on our lives today. Grief is not something that you get over. It's not something that you get through. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and David Kessler powerfully wrote these words. They say the reality is that you will grieve forever. Oh, pastor, that's, that's not good news this morning. Well, let me help you out today. I've got good news for you. You will not get over the loss, they go on to say, of a loved one. You will learn to live with it. You will heal, and you will rebuild yourself around the loss you have suffered. You will be whole again, but you will never be the same, nor should you be the same, nor would you want to. See, while, there's not a, while there is a starting point a lot of times to grief, 
the only ending is really our own ending. We may always grieve over the one that got away. We may always grieve over this mistake that we made that led to uh, losing our dream. We may always grieve over the loss of a parent, a sibling, a spouse, a child, a friend. But through it all, we can learn to live with our grief. We can find hope in our grief. We can breathe again. And so today we're continuing our series on grief by looking at some ways that we can learn to breathe again, that we can learn to find hope in grief. So how do we do that? Number one, write this in your notes today. And I'm going to tell you of all the messages today, it's probably going to be the most practical and it's probably going to be the most raw for us to hear. But it's truth. The first one is this, write this down, give yourself space to grieve. Give yourself space to grieve. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Don't try to bottle your grief up. Don't try to just hold it all in and think, I've got it all together and I'm going to be able just to pass this through and I'm, I'm tough, I can handle it. Don't try to avoid your grief. Don't try to put it off. Give yourself space to grieve. Genesis 23, verse 1. When Sarah was 127 years old, she died at Kirith Arba, now called Hebron, in the land of Canaan. There, Abraham mourned and wept for her. Did you see that? The, it says he mourned and he wept for her. If we, and we've preached on this passage of Scripture before in Genesis 23 in our series we did on Abraham a few years ago. But it tells of Abraham buying a tomb and buying a piece of land. In fact, it was the very first piece of land in the promised land that the children of Israel would ever own. Abraham bought that piece of land and there he buried Sarah. But before the scriptures mentioned him buying a tomb, it mentioned that he mourned and he wept. The worst thing you can do is to try and act like you're not grieving. That's the worst thing you can do, is try to act like you're not grieving, is to try to put off you're grieving because here's what's going to happen. You're going to bottle it up, bottle it up, bottle it up until there's something that happens, a song that comes on the radio. There's going to be a family member that hugs you around your neck, and all of a sudden you're going to break, and all that grief that you have been bottling up is going to come out in like a waterfall, like a, a you know, like one of those fire hoses uh, that, that they have. It's going to come out like that of emotion. When you try to hold back and not allow yourself to mourn and not allow yourself to grieve, that's what's going to happen. Kenneth Hawk writes this. He says, we can say, I won't grieve or I'm not grieving, and then put up a strong exterior, hide our feelings, or even convince ourselves that we're not grieving. Now listen, for my English teachers out here, let me, let me, let me help us out this morning. Okay, He's about to use what we would refer to as a double negative okay he's he's going to use this to make a strong point so all my English teachers in the room please don't cringe here but here's what he went on to say he says this but we cannot not grieve let me say that again we cannot not grieve the death of a loved one will trigger a flood of thoughts memories and emotions that cannot remain bottled up forever grief is the natural and healthy way to allow those feelings to surface and move out of us. So give yourself permission to grieve. Second thing, write this down. you got to surround yourself 
with the right people. Now, I didn't say just surround yourself with people. You need the right people around you. It's important to surround yourself with the right people. Job lost everything except his wife. He lost his kids. He lost his livelihood. And he lost his health. And he was in full-blown grief, full-blown mourning, if you will. If you look at Job chapter 2, verse 11, it says, When three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. And gives their names. In verse 12, it goes on to say, When they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Welling loudly, they tore their robes, and they threw dust in the air over their heads to show their grief. And then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw his suffering was too great for words. Now, if you've heard a, a message on Job's friends before, you'll understand that they really do get a bad rap sometimes. Now, did they make mistakes? Absolutely, they made mistakes. Absolutely, they cast blame on there. After seven days, they'd had enough of his mourning, and they went on the attack. But I want you to see what they did for the first seven days. They didn't open their mouths. They sat there. They showed their mourning. They showed their grief, and they just mourned with him. They just grieved with him. They sat with him, said nothing for seven days. Now, later their words were hurtful instead of helpful, but right there in that moment when they looked at him and they understood, there's nothing we can say right now that's going to help them, but they just gave the ministry a presence. I'm just here. Whatever you need. Next, day, next week we're going to deal with how that we can help others as they are grieving. But today I want to use this story to illustrate how we need the right people around us. Don't try and grieve alone. Don't Let me say this. Don't try and grieve alone. However, just as it's important to have people around you, it's important to have the right people around you. This is my experience right here. Tragedy and loss reveal who your true friends are. There, it reveals who the people in your life that you can count on at the moment when you're going through grief. Now, the night that we found out that my dad had passed away, there were several calls that I made outside of our family. You guys have to forgive me. I'm probably going to cry when I talk about the people that meant something to me. When I got off the phone with the officer, the very first call I made was to my Uncle Mike. He's my dad's youngest sister. I hadn't even called my sister to tell her that our dad had passed away. The very first call I made was to Uncle Mike. Why? Uncle Mike's a funeral director. He owns his own transport service. He oversees a cemetery now. In fact, he oversees the cemetery where my dad is buried. I didn't know what to do next, but I knew that I needed him. I knew that I needed him. And he knew what decisions that he could make without having to ask me. He knew when to say, when I'd say, Uncle Mike, I want to go with you or I want to, I want to do this. He knew when to say, Rusty, just let Uncle Mike handle this. He drove to Waco. He picked up my dad's body, brought it back to Texarkana. And on the way, he stopped at our house. He came in. He gave me some things that I needed to have. And we walked out. 
to his, his vehicle where dad's body was laying in the casket. And he opened up the door, put his arm around me, and held me as I cried. Those are the kind of people that you need in your life. He carried loads so my sister and I didn't have to carry them. He wept with me when I needed somebody to weep with me. He encouraged me when I needed somebody to encourage me. We need Uncle Mike's in our life. Uncle Mike wasn't the only right person I had around me. One of the other first calls I made was to Ben. And I called. And Ben was grieving the loss of Haley's uncle, who had been very special to them. In fact, it was the day before Haley's uncle was going to be buried. They were going through their own grieving process. But if you look up the word armor bearer in the dictionary, you'll see a picture of Ben Miller. Because just like Jonathan was for David, he was a man that I could count on in that moment, that I knew that no matter what I was going to go through, Ben was going to be right there with me. I reached out to our board, and they, were, they said, take as much time as you need. You do what you've got to do, Pastor. We can, we can handle this here. I was grateful for them. Brian Dollar has been my friend since I was 11 years old. There's been more than one time in my life that Brian's phone has rang, and he's answered it only to have me on the other end of the line crying because I was going through a loss a tragedy, or I was grieving. And he sat there that night and wept with me on the phone, encouraged me. Those are the kinds of friends that you need in your life. On the day of the funeral, my friend, long-term friend, Daryl, known him since I was 14 years old, drove up from South Texas just to come and be with me at the funeral. You got to surround yourself with the right people. Listen, church family, so many of you were, for, with, were with us during that moment and those times in our life. And, and I, can't, I can't tell you how much that that means to us. But the, the lesson I learned through that season is I cannot do this alone. I've got to have people around me. And you need people around you. We need each other. Next week, I'm going to talk. I can't tell you how many times I looked at people after, after dad's passing and I apologized to them because I understood more about grief than I ever had before. And I said, I wish I could have been better for you. I'm, I'm just going to tell you. So I'm going to give you some of the lessons that I've learned next week of how that we can help other people in the grief. But let, let, me, let me help us out here. Number three is this. We've got to give grace. Not everybody is going to act like you think they should act. When you're grieving, when you're mourning, when you're going through a rough time in your life, let me tell you, not everybody is going to grieve the way you think they should grieve. Not everybody's going to say the words that, they think, that you think they should say. Not everybody's going to act the way they think, you think they should act. Some people are just uncomfortable with sadness. So when tears come out, they start running away. Like, I mean, I'll be honest with you. If I'm, if I'm in a store and I see somebody crying, I'm like, let me go down here to this aisle. Like, I, I, I don't want to, you know, it, it, we can be a little bit uncomfortable with sadness. Some people run. Some are, are going to think that you process, process grief the way that they process grief. We all grieve differently. 
We do. We will grieve at different levels depending on the closeness of the person to you. You're going to grieve at a different level than, than the other people that are around you. And so they, they, you process grief different than the way they process grief. They're going to act the opposite of the way that you want them or that you need them to. There are going to be times, there were times when I needed to be alone that there were people around. And there were times that I needed people that nobody was around. Guess what? It's okay. Because we, we're not mind readers here. I'm not casting stones uh, uh, to, to anybody. But I'm just going to say, not everybody's going to act the way you think they should act. So give them grace. Give others grace. It's been my experience that people think that they are helping even when they're not. Like if people were standing away and giving space when, when, I, when I was like, man, I would love to have some people around... They were doing this out of love and out of, of, of kindness to me because they really wanted me to process the grief the way that I wanted to, that they thought I needed to process the grief. And then there are other people that are like right up here in your business the whole time, and you're like, hey, if you could, you know, give us, you know, give me a little space here. And uh, they're really trying to help, they're not trying to hurt. So, what do we need to do? We need to give grace. Don't get frustrated by the way another person grieves either. Even in your own family, there are going to be people that grieve differently than you. Just because someone isn't in the same stage of grieving or dealing with the same face of grief, we talked about the faces of grief last week, if somebody's anger, angry and, and you're sad and you're thinking, well, why are they mad walking around acting crazy, saying stupid things, and I'm over here crying and wailing and stuff and they're not grieving no they're grieving they're just grieving a different way and if this person's over there in a puddle of mush crying can't even say two words without tears streaming down their face and you're mad at the world over here don't get mad at them because they're not grieving the same way you're grieving they're not mad at God because he took that person they're not mad at at, at the person for not taking care of themselves don't put them in a box to say you gotta grieve like me Give them grace. Just because someone isn't dealing with the same thing you are doesn't mean they're not grieving. So Colossians 3.12 says, Since God chose you to be holy, the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Listen, verse 13 is key. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Number four is this. Talk about your loss. Kenneth Hawk wrote in his book, Finding Hope and Healing. And, and I, let me just say, you hear me, you've heard me quote Kenneth Hawk quite a bit. And the reason I've done that is because I've had two people that have given me his books during this season. One was uh, one of the Sasha's co-workers because she had gotten them from another guy who ended up sending me from, from Pastor Ed Lance from uh, First United Methodist Church. He sent me a book about every, uh, every so often. So far he sent me three. There's a fourth one and I can't wait to get it and open it up and read it. But it's impacted me. It's helped me. And he wrote this in, in one of his books, Finding Hope and Healing. He says, talking is healing. Talking helps you locate your pain, bring it to the surface, and let it go. 
And because your wound doesn't suddenly go away, the pain recurs, and you need to talk about it again and again and again. That's why grieving people need to talk about the same feeling or memory over and over. This is part of the grieving process, so let me just give you permission to share your memories. Let me give you permission to share your funny stories. Let me give you permission to share your feelings. Because, listen, talking about those things, share the lessons that you learn from those people. Tell, like when, when you see a picture, one of the things that I love is when somebody uh, uh, is standing there, a family is standing there watching the pictures at a funeral service, and as they're watching those pictures, and, and, and they'll begin to tell you the story behind the picture. That that picture wasn't just a, a, a picture, but it was the story behind the picture. And I love to hear those stories. And you know what? We'll talk more about how to be a good person and all that next week. But give yourself permission to tell the stories. If you've told the story same five or six, seven times, listen, keep telling the story. We'll, we'll, we'll give you grace. But share your memories because it helps you in the process. Talk about it. And number five... Get professional help. Proverbs 11, verse 14 says, Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. I told you this was going to be the most raw message that I, I preached in this series, and I'm going to get real with you this morning. I spent most of my life with a stigma about professional counseling. Two reasons. One, I believed people's perception of pastors is they have it all together and they shouldn't need help. Second, I, I grew up being taught in, in, the, in the church world that I lived in that all you needed to do was just get to the altar you didn't need counseling or you didn't need therapy. You just get to the altar and everything would be taken care of. Now, I'm not diminishing the altar. Just in a minute, we're going we're gonna to talk about the altar. But let me understand, help you understand something. Phrases like psychobabble were thrown around to illustrate the point that whatever pastor or preacher I was sitting under at the time uh, would, would just throw out. Now, I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the altar. And we're going to speak about that in a moment. However, I also believe that God divinely enables people to help others process their feelings and provide godly counsel. So when I say get professional help, I'm talking about finally, listen, listen to me this morning, a godly Christian counselor who's trained, who's equipped, and who is divinely anointed for the task. That's what I'm talking about this morning. When I say get professional help. So have you ever heard the phrase straw that broke the camel's back? My dad's passing wasn't just a straw for me. It was a six-ton boulder that came crashing down and rocked my world. I felt like I had managed the loss of the last couple of years okay. Not perfect. Sasha would tell you, not perfect. The girls probably would tell you, not perfect, but okay. The COVID-19 pandemic was just 
I mean, it, it, it took the way I did. I, I've done church for 20 years as a, as a pastor and as a leader, and all of a sudden flipped it upside down. It, it caused people to stay home, and uh, there's still people that I have not seen in two years that I, I would just love the opportunity to, to hug their neck and tell them that, I, you know, face-to-face and tell them that they mean something to me. So it was hard. I missed our church family. I was grieving that loss, and then there were deaths. So many over the last couple of years, there's the funerals of longtime members and, and people that I care deeply about. And, mem- and moves, you know, having Chris and Joyce both move, uh, out-of-state moves. Uh, these are ladies that were on the board that brought me here, and, and we, had, we, had, we had had meetings and, and, uh, and made decisions together and just done life, and, man, it was hard, and there was grief that took place for that. And then the day that the pipes broke in the church, and I walked in to see the church flooded, and Man, just the loss that was there, and I just kept bottling it up. I got this. I got this. I can handle this. And then my own personal battle with COVID and the toll that it took on my physical body, including the hospital stays. And then you throw your daughter graduating high school and moving off to college on top of all of that. And I thought I had it all together. Like, I, I've got this, I've got it managed, and, and all of a sudden, the, the day that Dad, I got the call on Dad's passing, it was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back, and it broke me. The weight of the past two years, just combined with the loss of my father, was too much for me to bear on my own, and I immediately knew that I needed help. So within 24 hours of my dad's passing, I reached out to a counselor that I'd sat on a district committee with. He's a Christian counselor, somebody that I, I respect. And, and he, he pointed me to another friend who actually runs our program, our district's program for ministers. It's called Council Care, where they will not only help you find a Christian counselor, but they will put their money where their mouth is and they'll pay for the first three sessions. So our district's program director, a guy I'd gone to Southwestern with, he researched the network of counselors, and he found one right here in East Texas for me to connect with. And 15 days after my dad's service, memorial service, I had my first appointment. She helped me process my feelings. And so far, I've had three sessions. The last session was in January, and and it was on his birthday. And I, I scheduled it on purpose on that day because I knew it would probably be a tough day for me. And guess what? I'm not ashamed to tell you someday I'm going to go back. You know, it may be that while we're building this building that I, I, need to, I need just somebody to process my feelings with. It may be that dad's passing and grief is, is something that I still need to work through. And so I'm going to go back and I'll, I'll talk with her. But I can promise you this. I'm not going to allow myself to get so overwhelmed again without seeking out help. Why? Because she helped me in a godly and biblical manner to process my grief. She gave me resources, some of which I'm sharing with you in this series. She gave me homework to do. Felt like I was back in school again and all of a sudden I've got to do homework. I've got to break out a journal and start writing and doing some things. But I'm going to tell you what else she did. She spoke prophetically over me in this church. I told you in week one that God had been 
began to deal, deal with me about doing a series on grief last August. And I'd begin to just process that and, and think about it. And that was two months before my dad's passing. In the week or two after dad's passing, I was like, no way, that was for me. I'm not, I'm not speaking this. I'm not coming and sharing all this. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to use my dad's, you know, all these things going through my mind. I'm not using his passing just so that I can get a, a good sermon or, or whatever. No, I, I, I was like dead set. I'm not doing it. Like, I'm not doing it. In our first meeting, the last thing she said to me that day was, she said, Rusty, what you're learning is going to be a series for your church someday. And I started crying again because I knew she was right. I knew she was right. I sensed the Spirit's nudge that day in her office. See, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 and 8 says this, a spiritual gift is given to each, uh, each of us so that we can help each other. I want you to look at verse 8. To the one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message uh, of special knowledge. But did you see what the first gift that was listed? It was words of wisdom, the ability to give wise advice. God gives people, spiritually gifts people who are, who, who are able to give this advice, who are able to help us process, who are able to help us think. And we should not be ashamed or embarrassed to find professional help. Let me help you. If you need help, please come talk to me. I will tell you this. I am not a counselor. I'm a pastor. I don't have that gift of counseling or of mercy, but I can be a good first step for you. I can help you, and, and there's times that, you know, it's like this. If my child comes to me, and, and, you know, when they were little, and they would say, Daddy, I've got a boo-boo. And if the boo-boo is just like a little thing, we can, you know, put a little something on it. And then, or, or in my case, I would say, will you go, uh, go talk to your mama? You know, Sasha, come in here. You know, uh, but, you know, put your Band-Aid on there, and, and, you know, here you go. Pat your head, and, and you run off. But if they were to come in here, and the arm is like, and this never happened to me, thank the Lord. But if they were to come in here and their arm was supposed to go this way and it's like going this way, then I'm going to say we need some professional help. You know what I'm saying? We're, we need to find somebody that can help you. So let's get in the car, go to the ER, and help you. If you will come to me, I can, I can be your triage, if you will. I can listen to you talk for 30 minutes, for an hour, and I can help you find out do you do you need just a little band-aid is there some words that I can tell you and help you and you know you know pat you on the head and, and let you run along and play again or if it's beyond my help I can recommend somebody to you to help you but get help get help and number six and this is the most important draw close to God when you go through loss, there's a great temptation to be upset with God. Why? He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's got it all together. He, he, you know, he, he's there. He understands what we're going to. He's, he's, you know, he understands all of that. Surely he could have prevented this from happening. 
One of my pastor friends who lost a parent said that his wife couldn't even go into the sanctuary during worship for, for weeks after uh, the passing of, of, his, of his parent because it was hard for her to sing about a good God when she was struggling with her grief. How many of you understand that? You come in and you hear us singing that you're a good, good father. And, and you're like, man, he, I don't feel like God is very good right now because I'm dealing with this loss and he could have done that. And so some people are, are feeling frustrations with that. Instead of you like holding those feelings away from God, why don't you tell him, God, I don't feel like singing good, good father right now. I don't feel like you're perfect in all your ways. I'm not going to lie right now while I'm singing this song because I don't feel like, I don't feel like that. Maybe instead of singing Good, Good Father, you need to sing a song like, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. You will go before me. You will never leave me. But don't run from God. Run to God. Tell him what you're going through. I love what Max Lucado writes. He says, stand still and whisper God's name and listen. He is nearer than you think. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, And Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet He did not sin. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. See, God's ready. God's willing. God's able to give you rest. He's able to give you peace. You may feel like he's against you for taking your loved one, for taking your job, for taking your dream away. But let me tell you that God has your best interest in mind. Loss is a part of life. Let me help us this morning. Loss is a part of life. We're always going to have losses or tragedies or grief. Jesus even said in this world, we will have trouble. It's a promise of of life. It's just there. We're always going to deal with it in some manner. But Jesus knows the pain that we're going through, and he's there to walk with us. Psalm 73 verse 26 says, my health may fail, and my spirit may grow weak, but God, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Let me say that again. My health may fail. My spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Church, let me tell you this morning something. You can breathe again. You can breathe again. Listen, there's days, there are days when I'm driving down the road or I'm with, I'm with Sasha, I'm with the girls, and I begin to think about my dad, and a little tear may come down my eye. But I'm going to tell you, the fog is lifted. The fog is lifted. I'm breathing again. I'm getting through it because of the people that Help me along the way, the professional help that I, I, I sought out because, because I was able at times to actually just grieve and give myself space to grieve because I talked about it. 
because I drew close to God. Kenzie and Sasha were with me the night that we found out that Dad passed. And they could tell you that I went within the hour drive that we had back that night from where we were, where we were driving from to the house. They could tell you that I, I, I cried out to God. That I went from, God, no, please, God, no, to thank you, Jesus, in a matter of an hour. Because I can't tell you how many times in my life that Dad stood beside me. In fact, in March of last year, April, March of last year, he was at our house and we had a conversation. And he looked at me and he said, Rusty, someday I'm going to pass. And when I do, I want you to know something. I'm not here. I'm with Jesus. I'm ready to go. Whenever that day comes, I'm ready to go. And I had the assurance that my father is with my heavenly father. And so I ran to Jesus that night. I ran to God and thanked him because I knew that someday I'm going to see him again. And it gave me peace in the midst of my storm. Peace to walk through this, that my health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God can remain the strength of my heart forever. Father, I thank you today. You hold us when we're broken. That when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil because your rod and your staff comfort us. You prepare a place for us in the presence of our enemy. Goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. That no matter what we walk through, no matter what we go through, God, you're there with us. And I'm asking you, Lord, right now to touch hearts and lives. This morning, I'm going to ask Tisha to come and sing a song. It just simply says, Peace. And if you need the peace of God today, would you just make an altar right there where you're at? Would you listen to the words and let this song be an encouragement to you today? Let it bring peace to your life. overcome by fear and hope seems like a ship that's lost at sea my enemies on every side and I'm tempted to run and hide your gentle whisper reaches out to me you give me
bowed and eyes closed today.
peace of God. Scripture teaches us that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, I love the NIV, it says it transcends, it's transcending, it transcends all understanding, will guard our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. The best thing you can do for anything in your life, for any tragedy, for any loss, for any grief that you experience, whether it's the loss of a spouse, it's the loss of a, a child, it's the loss of a parent, it's the loss of a, a dream, it's the loss of a job, it's the loss of a, a changing of a season like, like some of you are experiencing right now, new things, new, new things are happening in your life, and whatever you want to put as that loss or as that, as that change in your life that you're grieving, let me, let me tell you, God can give you a peace that doesn't make sense. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want, I want to pray for you today. We're all going to pray a prayer together in just a moment, but just say, Pastor, that's me. I don't know Jesus. When you talk about drawing close to God, I don't even know who he is. Or maybe you know who God is and, 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 and you've been away from him, but you need to start a new, a fresh relationship with him today. The Bible tells us all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you're in this room today, if, if you're watching online today, would you respond to God? In a moment, I'm going to count to three. And when I do, if that's you, and say, Pastor, I, I, need to, I need to make a fresh commitment or I need to make a commitment to him today, would you raise your hand? If you're online today, would you drop a comment in the comment section or send us an email at prayer at hopefamily.tv? When I say three, would you, would you commit, make a commitment to, to the Lord today? And we're all going to pray a prayer together here in just a moment. But if that's you, would you say, would you raise your hand or respond to God today? When I say three, one, two, three. Anybody in this room, anybody online today that you would make that commitment? And I'm going to invite you all to pray this prayer with me today. Would you say, dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died, rose again, and you're the Lord of all. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, would you stand with me this morning? The team's going to sing a worship song together. It's kind of a, a closing. We, we've got time today, friends. But I'm going to ask you this morning, if you need the peace of God that we just sang about, if you need the peace of God that, that we just encouraged you with today, I'm going to invite you to come and meet me at this altar. It doesn't have to be necessarily a grieving process that you're going through. It could just be decisions that you need to be making. Maybe there's some financial difficulty in your life. Maybe you need physical healing today. I believe that the Lord wants to touch you this morning. So would you one more time today bow your head and let me, let me just see who I'm praying with today. Say, Pastor, that's me. I need the peace of God today. I need God to do a miracle in my life and my situation. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? I want to know who I'm praying with this morning. Anybody in this room today? Yes. Who else am I praying with today? Yes. Anybody else today? You say, Pastor, that's me. I need a miracle in my life. Maybe you're grieving. Maybe you've been going through a grieving process and you just need to feel that peace today. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand and say, it's me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
as the team begins to sing, would you get out from where you're standing? If you raised your hand or you should have raised your hand, would you come meet Sasha and I at this altar? We want to pray a prayer of faith with you today. We want to believe with you today. Let's just believe for God to do something in your life this morning. Go ahead. Thank you, Jesus.
my hope and desire is that the words that I speak are helpful, not hurtful to you. I pray that this message is, while it's been raw to speak, is helpful for you. Not just today, but in the future. I, I want you to understand that what we've discovered here is that this series has been our most watched series ever. It's been our most watched series. And I'm grateful for that because I understand that people need to hear this. They need hope. And we're here to give it to them as a church. So at the end of this series, we're gonna put every, all the messages are gonna be on our YouTube channel. We're gonna take the series graphics, we're gonna create some bookmarks or some business cards, something like that, that we'll have available so that when you know somebody who's grieving a loss, you can send them a card. Don't, don't listen, don't take it to the funeral home and hit, hand it to them. You know, be smart about it, but a week or so after they're, after the, the loss, drop a card in the mail, put that in there. It's gonna have like a little message from me on, on the card or something, and it's gonna have a QR code where they can scan that and it'll go straight to go straight to this series and we'll have it to where it's straight to the message. They can get to the point because I wanna help people. And obviously the Lord's using this already. We've heard from different ones and I, there's some stories I just don't even want to tell, but I'm just telling you, church, it's having an impact. So would you do me a favor again today? And the next day, we're going to repost the message. We're going to post it with a link to the YouTube channel where it goes straight to the message. So as soon as I start talking, it's right there. Would you, would you share that on your Facebook page or with your friends? What I've done is I've, I've talked to some people that I know personally that have lo had losses in the last uh, year. And I've sent it to them, and I, and I, I say, hey, here, this is something uh, that the Lord's laid on my heart. You know, I just have a little standard thing that I send, and uh, and I send it to them. And the feedback that I'm getting is just uh, unbelievable uh, how, how the Lord's using it. In fact, one person that I sent it to this week, she said to me, she said, I, when you shared it a couple of weeks ago, I already watched it. Thank you. And this is someone who just lost a spouse within the last year. I'm, I'm telling you guys, God takes his word and he uses it. I, I, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I know the pain that we've all been through. I understand the loss that we've all been through this last year or so. But God's going to take this and he's going to use our story for his glory. Amen. Amen. So I promise you today, next week. It's not going to be as raw or as emotional. This was it. This was the raw and emotional one. Next week, we're going to talk about how we can help others. So I might even poke fun at, uh, fun at some of the things that uh, I've experienced or that maybe you've experienced, and, and we'll laugh a little bit. It'll be a great, great.
great time together. So come back next week. And then in two weeks, it's Pentecost Sunday. We're going we're gonna to celebrate uh, Pentecost Sunday, and I'm going to be preaching on the Holy Spirit. And then in June, we're kicking off a series on, on the end times, uh, giving you a the, uh, divine theology of what we believe as a church uh, that's coming. It's going to come. It's going to happen. And uh, that's going to be a great series. So we got a lot of good things happening, a lot of good things coming up. Let me pray a prayer of blessing over you and your families today. Thank you guys that tuned in today. We're so honored that you joined us online this morning. Father, thank you for an opportunity to come together as a church today to cry a little bit, to celebrate a little bit, to remember well, and God, to, to find the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and the peace of God that transcends all understanding to guard our heart and mind. So Lord, today, I pray that you would bless and keep your church, that you would make your face shine down upon them and be gracious to them, and that you would truly give them that peace that transcends all understanding. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. God bless you, church.